Hi there, welcome everyone to week two, it's episode three of the Two Cents Footy podcast with Jeff, John and JP. And we're now three of us, so uh, yeah, it's awesome. This week we're getting the kind of full set of us back to where we were back at uni uh, as a full uh, full set of us back uh, to where we once belonged. Um, so this week we're going to be covering a couple of key topics. So it'll be Newcastle United's win, a uh, massive win against Sheffield United, um, the 8-0 drubbing, which JP is not happy being a, 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 a massive Sunderland fan. And uh, Luton Town's controversial penalty, which needed five minutes worth of VAR madness. And we'll briefly touch upon the Jaden Sancho situation at Man United. But firstly, um, let's introduce John. Welcome, John. How are you doing? Thank you, guys. I'm good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Finally making the trio back up again. <laughs> Amazing. And for full disclosure, who do you support? I wonder who that might be. Uh, so I am a Brighton fan. I, I did grow up following Villa, which makes this weekend a bit more interesting <laughs> for me. But uh, I'm Brighton born and bred. I've uh, I've coached with one of the charity foundations down there for a few years before. Uh, and now I firmly follow the Mighty Seagulls, which is wonderful at the moment. Magnificent uh, time to be. And you're in the Champions League if the season stops right now. So, Well, if it stops right now, I think we'd still have underachieved the way we're playing at the moment. <laughs> some... some... Glorious football going on down at the Amex. Awesome, awesome. And awesome, so let's go into it then. Uh, So we're going to be firstly touching upon the Newcastle United drubbing at Sheffield. So uh, just to set the scene and then we'll sort of go to have a discussion. So we had goals from eight different players. We then had uh, a bit of a controversy with some objects thrown onto the pitch with uh, Sheffield United's fans getting rather annoyed and then the substitution of Anthony Gordon um, so JP being a big Sunderland fan how was your reaction and uh, how did you think it went yeah I watched a, a fair bit of this game and not that I watch much of Newcastle it's not my most favourite thing to do but um, yeah Obviously, they've, they've had a great game, but what was quite interesting, I actually think Sheffield United started the game quite well. They did have a few sort of good opportunities and didn't take them, but I think the thing that stood out for me was Gordon's probably had his first, I'd say, really, really good game for Newcastle. He They just couldn't handle him at all, and actually his goal was actually quite special. I think it was outside the box, curled around the keeper, very, very well taken. Um, kind of shows you what prospect he he really is Um, so that's only a good thing for the England as a nation but also Trippier in there with a hat-trick of assists um, again just shows the quality that that they have unfortunately (laughs) for me but um, no really really good side and Sheffield United just towards the end some of the mistakes their defence were making were just really really bad and I think that just shows potentially a bad sort of attitude amongst the squad in terms of when they get into those positions and if I was a Sheffield United fan I'd be quite worried based on that but um, 
yeah, there were some of my sort of key takeaway points from the game. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Newcastle were, were just way too good for them. And John, do you see uh, Newcastle as a, as a big threat uh, again to the Champions League and possible Europe qualification for Brighton? Yeah, I think uh, off the back of a slow start to the season for Newcastle, I think this will kick on their season quite a lot. Uh, they struggled against Milan in midweek before that as well. And I think it's uh, it's time they find their rhythm, as you mentioned, JP. Trippier, again, coming out of the hat-trick of assists, it's just what he does. He's a fantastic footballer, and I think he he really should be in contention for the England team. You know, one of the first names on paper, in my opinion, and that's, you know, moving Walker into centre-back if needs be, because I think what he offers is just really something else. Um, Gordon putting in a good performance, although controversial handball for one of their earlier goals that uh, that he set up. But it's it's good to see that he's finally had uh, a game that's, I guess, worthy of the, the price tag that he came over from Everton from. Oh, yeah, his first goal, it, it seemed to go outside the line and then, yeah, he sort of slapped it and then, <laughs> and then whipped it in. I don't know how VR didn't pick that up. <laughs> Yeah, I think some of the Sheffield United fans and players probably uh, felt it was going to be a day to forget from that point onwards. But uh, heads went down, and unfortunately, that one quickly turned to eight. So, yeah, exactly the, the just the breadth of of their attack, and Botman Trippier with thirty and thirty one points in the FPL. It's kind of an amazing points haul. Especially if if you didn't have a, a Newcastle player in your FPL like me. Uh, yeah, gutted. I didn't captain him Trippier in the end after that performance. Yeah, eighteen <laughs> points, or was it maybe more? I can't remember. It was quite high, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was eighteen points. So it would have been a lovely thirty-six had that one gone in. But oh well, everyone's on Harland these days, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> it just takes the captaincy out of the running uh, in terms of. Uh, debate I think doesn't it yeah I think yeah, I agree yeah. I think you mentioned Botman it's very interesting he missed a few of the games earlier in the season that's when Newcastle have struggled and actually got three defeats in a row in the league he's uh, clearly a key part of that team that I think is it's probably known to you know the avid fans and the Newcastle fans out there but to uh, more of the casuals actually realising what a contribution he's having to that squad and particularly when he's starting or when he's not Absolutely. And the last thing um, which I'll touch on ask you both would be do you think Newcastle can sustain a Premier League run with the Champions League fixtures going? So John, I'll ask you that one first. I I think they can because I think they will struggle given their group in the Champions League and I think given the additional fixtures on what is still quite a a new squad to this sort of uh, dizzy heights in, in some of their players. They've obviously got some real class, and I think Eddie Howe is doing a great job, given that he hasn't thrown quite as much financial resource at it that he as he could. Um, but yeah, they've, they've got Tenali, they've got Trippier, they've got the likes of Isak. They've got some very good players, but the strength in depth isn't quite what it will need to be uh, to sustain both runs. I do potentially see them going on a little cup run again like they did last year. Um, but I don't think it'll be the Champions League necessarily. Exactly, yeah. It's with you know, Amaron and uh, you know, Bruno Gimaraes 
providing some extra firepower, whether it's on the bench or just, you know, in more of the cup run type games. JP, how do, how do you perceive uh, Newcastle's um, title run? Yeah, th I think they'll be fine again this season. Um, I, I kind of agree with what John was saying. They've got such a tough group in the Champions League. And although it'd be great for them to get something out of that, maybe, I guess maybe even if they get into the Roper, that would be a, a, a successful thing for them. But um, I think even if they were to somehow get into the into the knockouts, you know, they've got the unlimited cash to dip into in January. So I, I don't see that necessarily being a problem if they do need to bolster up by that point. So either way, I think in the in terms of the league, they're gonna they're still gonna be up there, I think, around the top four to eight. Um, I think fairly easily. Um so yeah, I think they'll be fine. They've got such a good coach in Eddie Howe. They've already got such good foundations in their squad. Um, Tenali, who's joined them, hasn't hit the ground running, and so he he still needs to start playing for them, which will only improve them further. So yeah, they'll be fine. I'm sure you say that through gritted teeth. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. definitely. <laughs> cool. Thank you guys for moving on. On um, Sweden next, go to Luton, uh, rather different place to Newcastle, and uh, home to prospects such as marvelous Nakamba. We had uh, quite a funny controversy on the weekend. So they got a draw against Wolves at home at, at their ground. And uh, there was a, a real controversial VAR decision in respect of um, a handball, which appeared to come off uh, a leg and then onto the hand. And that needed uh, the referee, Josh Smith, to look through VAR uh, and the screen for a few minutes, I think five minutes, and uh, essentially Jao Gomez uh, was, was, was kind of using a lot of limbs to, to block uh, the, the shot, and uh, yeah, it, it seemed to really irritate the away fans, so, um, you know, back to you JP, do you perceive Luton having a chance at survival, or... Do you think actually at home they have a good chance at survival? Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I don't think they will survive. Um, I actually think on the weekend that's a huge, huge missed opportunity for Luton, um, considering Wolves were down to ten men for what's since the twenty-sixth minute. I think the guy got sent. Thirty-ninth, yeah, I think. Um, I've got her. Thirty-nine. 39th so a large chunk of that game they've played against 10-man Wolves they've conceded a goal um, and they've had to rely on a controversial penalty call to get that equaliser um, any game for them at home is a huge huge thing and I know they've picked up their first point which is great but they had to win that as soon as Wolves went down to 10-men they had to win that um, they did have good chances you got Colson Morrison um, who's hit the post um, and they've come close a few times, but yeah, I do fear for them quite a lot. Um, I think the goal, and we, I mean, we joked about Marvellous Nakamba last week about them shipping in goals. I'm not being funny, but that, that goal from Wolves did um, stem from Nakamba being out of position and not and not playing that defensive midfield uh, role that he needed to. So although we sort of joked about it, I, I do think it's true. If you've got him in a CDM in the Premier League, you're going to ship goals in, unfortunately. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so I, I think they're going to really struggle. I mean, you'd hope that they'd turn it around because it is such a good story from them going from League Two to the Premier League. On, you know, their their squad is worth something like 1.5 million, I think, when it was in the Championship. So, you know, they've done really well. But I, yeah, I do fear for them this season. And I quite agree with that. I think um, the way the table's looking at the moment with the three newly promoted sides all in the bottom three, I think we could end like that. <clears throat> I think Burnley have uh, shown the most potential. Um, I think they've got a good manager and they've got quite a good squad behind it, but it's a whole different ball game going from the Championship to the Premier League. We've seen a lot of the uh, the yo-yo teams, the, the West Broms and the Norwiches of the past, and I fear that we might be seeing the same again this year, but with all three going back down. Um, but great to see Luton get their first point. I absolutely agree, though. Missed opportunity. 50 minutes with an extra man and then you know, conceding after that and then needing a controversial penalty to get the uh, to get a point. It's um, it's not great. It's, it's not great. And you, know, you mentioned XG last week. I've got here it was nearly two XG for Luton. And you know they're getting one from, from the penalty. So that means that they've missed effectively one XG's worth of goals, whereas Wolves, obviously, Neto's goal, great you know fantastic but it's uh it's definitely one of those we have to take your chances and they haven't done that we can just go yeah they're definitely missing that that clinical edge i think neto for wolves he's had a really bright start to the to the season it just shows by having that sort of cutting edge it just makes such a difference at, at this level just on the subject of wolves it's quite interesting how low they are in the table given some of the performances they've put out because they were great in the opening game of the season against United and then obviously didn't get what they should have or could have from that and at the weekend they've almost stolen a point where they shouldn't so you wonder if that will help them kick on slightly so you've sort of got a, a tale of two seasons potentially starting from this you know Luton might kick on from their first point but will they see it as a missed opportunity and then you've got Wolves who might think actually we've, we've stolen a point here let's take that let's kick on and as you say JP Neto, you know, putting in some performances, I think he's going to be a key part of their season. Yeah, I think they also had quite a positive performance against Liverpool as well. I think Liverpool just nicked it against them there. And they, so yeah, they've got the performances in them. It is just, just turning those performances into, into points, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, there is sort of a fear for them, isn't it? With a few key, almost key player dependencies and uh, Neto... Chan um, and also their defence as well, like Hillman, Semedo, they're kind of experienced players. They, yeah, you just fear, but definitely not as much as Luton. With just, yeah, yeah even lucky just to get that point despite kind of good XG rate. Yeah, did any of you see um, Tom Lockyer's reaction to when he got kicked out against, I think the Wolves player was Bella? guard so I think the Bella guard kicked him and then Tom Lockyer it's almost like the snipers were coming out he's like rolling around all over the place and to be honest it wasn't that much of a stamp it's like it just looked so pathetic so like, I don't know why footballers do that but <laughs> oh it just looks ridiculous <laughs> bit of a pet peeve <laughs> yeah it's um it's not part of a game that we enjoy but the gamesmanship is definitely something that is becoming more prevalent and sadly it's being used to some players and teams' advantage quite nicely. 
I sense that might have happened to Brighton a couple of times. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think every team's guilty of probably doing it a bit, but also they've been on the receiving end. Some players and teams are more renowned for it. Um, but I think everyone's got that little guilt. Every team's got that guilt of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating when you've grown up watching the likes of Roy Keane and Vieira <laughs> and how the game has changed into... I'm going to use the B word, a bunch of babies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What was once, you know, 22 players casting war on each other has become, you know, a lot of handbags and glad rags and whatnot. So, yeah. 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 That, was, that was the metaphor for it from, in rugby, Lawrence Delalio, the Pampers League, expensive and soft. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Pampers League. Very accurate. Just timing with the World Cup. So, uh, awesome. Thank you guys. So, yeah, so sort of Luton are uh, at big risk. You will, the the underdog in all of us will want to kind of favour them, but it just seems they're a bit of a lost cause without dipping into the transfer window in Jan. Um, the third area we will go through is uh, the ongoing saga at Manchester United. We did touch upon it in uh, episode two. Or last week, uh, but yeah, there seems to be a bit of a drama between Eric Ten Hag and Jaden Sancho, so there's like a standoff going on. Uh, yeah, just I just wonder, John, do you think Sancho will be able to get back in the lineup? Is he permanently exiled, or is this it for him? Do you reckon? I hope it's not his permanent exile. Um... I hope they can come to some sort of resolution. We've obviously seen the situation with Ronaldo and that ended with Ronaldo leaving. Um, maybe the the return wasn't quite as glamorous as, as what it could have been, but actually he had a good season by, I guess, what United's standards were for it. You look at Sancho, he hasn't quite come in and performed to the extent that they would have hoped, but I don't think he's necessarily been given the opportunity or the backing, um, particularly since Ten Hag has been in charge. Um, what I do find interesting is that Ten Hag seems to be at the centre of a lot of these controversies. And while Sancho has probably said or done some things that he maybe shouldn't have, maybe a little unprofessional, I don't think that any footballer who's not playing is going to be happy, um, unless it's Ariata on his 40000 a week to sit on the bench and refusing to terminate his contract. <laughs> But uh, and fair play to him for that as well. I would just like to point out. It's fair. But I think Sancho's the sort of player that wants to be playing. I think he will want him back, back, back into the squad. Um, I hope that he can. Um, if not, I hope that he can find a move elsewhere to, to reinvigorate his career because he was great at Dortmund. Um, part of that, obviously, that youth just wonder squad. The likes of him and Haaland, um, you know, really just wreaking havoc on the rest of the league with the likes of, you know, Rice and, and whatnot around them, showing them their experience and, and helping them out. So, I I think it might be, but I hope it's not mm-hmm. the the end of Sancho at, at United. Okay, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'd hope that because of the bright spark that he once appeared to be, especially at Dortmund. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, JP, do you, do you see is Eric Ten Hag actually quite culturally toxic, or is he? more an authoritarian and uh, more showing authority 
in order to kind of get a culture of discipline. I just wonder what you think culturally remains the case uh, at the management level. Yeah, I, I do think he's trying to set a standard at Man United and it probably is almost trying to reset the culture there. I think over the past few seasons, it has been quite obvious there's been individuals in there that, that disrupt the the camp or if you sort of think of the likes of Paul Pogba a few seasons ago, um, I think Ronaldo as well sort of come in. It, I don't think it went to plan. Um, and I think there were some issues around there also. I think I think there's probably still a couple of them still in there, to be honest. And I think Ten Hag is coming in and he's having to probably have that authoritarian sort of standpoint. And so it's going to rattle some cages and it looks like it's rattling Jane Sancho's cage at the moment. And I do agree with everything John said, you know, real bright spark. We've seen him play some amazing football for Dortmund with Haaland and, and Jude Bellingham. And he's come across to Man United with such high expectation to sort of hit the ground running and 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 perform. And I agree, I don't think he's been given the license to do that. And a similar player in there actually to Jane Sancho, and they came at a similar time is Donny van der Beek. I think he is very, very similar. Come in with a lot of high expectation I can't remember the last time he played a game. And when he did, actually, it was only from off the bench for about 20 minutes or so. So, there, yeah, there's some strange things going on around Man United. I do believe he's trying to change the culture, although it does look... He does seem to be the centre of things, and I can understand why people might think it may be that he is the issue. Um, but, you know, he's not the, the first manager to come in and struggle with this United side. You had... Um, Oh, we'll sell Ralphie, Ralphie Raniak, <laughs> I think it is, yeah. Um, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, and I know they're not you know, big managerial names, but they've come out with similar things about this squad and about their attitudes. Um, they've questioned it and they've lost their jobs because of it. Um, it's going to take something like Ten Hag and this this kind of sort of standpoint to, to change it inevitably, I think. I believe that Jose Mourinho said his greatest achievement in football was taking that Man United squad to a second place finish the season he did, which someone of that, uh, you know, that decorated of a career managerially saying that really sort of highlights the problems that are there that the likes of us don't necessarily see. Um, mm-hmm. But if you look at the hundreds of millions they spend and, and the squad they've put out, and yeah, they have injury problems and whatnot, but you do wonder where that money has actually gone. And without any sort of consistency to the management and to the team, you do wonder, as you aptly named the last episode, how do you solve a problem like Man United? And I think there are bigger problems afoot. Absolutely. Yeah, still emerging from the top. And uh, yeah, just just never-ending saga but it gives us a lot to talk about so <laughs> we'll it's all about the yeah. content we'll, we'll keep coming back to it uh, we... come on what's man united got next week the fact that they turned out what was it 27 percent possession against burnley it just you know it, it it really makes you wonder there's there's no consistency to the game plan and you know johnny evans was outstanding oh, amazing and, and you know, you, you actually think about it. If if they've got that in their locker that they can get a win from such a, you know, a ground out dogged performance, if they could do that every week, then you know, good luck to them. But 
do they have the right mentality for that? And I sadly think the answer is no. I think there's a lot of pampering in the squads and toxicity, as you said, that probably needs to be stamped out. And it's not a job that I would personally want. So good luck to all of them. With the egos, although they did win 3-0 against Palace in the EFL Cup, but it's hardly a, a consolation for the way they've started against uh, in the Champions League and in the Premier League. So It's nothing like beating a second-string Palace side. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> With a bit of confetti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, thank you, guys. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, we'll whistle stop into the forthcoming fixtures for the weekend, and there is a double header, so we'll briefly touch upon that. But in no particular order, except copied from the BBC, uh, we have uh, Aston Villa against Brighton. So, how do you reckon, uh, John? You'll get on against Villa. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Villa obviously had a great great victory against Chelsea last time out. Um, a Chelsea side that, yeah, admittedly down to 10 men for the last half hour, but it's, yeah, it's, it's never easy playing a team that are in a bit of form um, since Emery's been in charge there. He's done a great job. Um, I think I saw on the 2023 calendar year table that Villa would be in the top four or something, which shows what a turnaround it's been since he's been in charge. Uh, saying that, obviously, Brighton are playing a brand of football that is, you know, it's beautiful to watch, but also very effective. Um, goal conceded against Bournemouth at the weekend obviously shows the uh, the, the concerns that come with it, yeah. playing out from the back, but it's risk and reward. It uh, wasn't a great performance again against Bournemouth, but we got the win. I think, uh, I think 2-1 Brighton. Yeah. I think we're legit. No bias. Yeah, yeah. see against the other team you did support briefly, but then yeah, back, yeah. back to the roots. Cool, two one. Uh, JP, result. Funnily enough, I have all my predictions written down, and I've actually got two one Brighton. So I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> like a bit of group think. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's a fair assumption. Uh, yeah, they're playing a refreshing brand with Matoma and. Uh, yeah, Ansu Fati in, in, in terms of their impact subs on the weekend. So that was a huge, just, uh, yeah, it's such an exciting brand uh, um, that Deserby's playing. So 2-1, fantastic. Um, what I will say, keep an eye out for Carlos Believer. Yeah. Uh, he came on as a sub at the weekend and he looks like he's going to fit very nicely into that Caicedo replacement role um, with slight changes, of course, but he looked mustard. I'm very excited to see our next £100 million player <laughs> and for our listeners, the only time I've heard John say the word mustard against players has been for Cucurella, Casado and McAllister from my memory. And all of them have had major <laughs> money moves for. So he's I'm pretty sure John's on to one there. <laughs> Secret scout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, OK. Um, so leading back on is uh, Bournemouth against Arsenal. Uh, so we had, you know, a Bournemouth who, you know, had quite a good, um, yeah, as we just said, sort of good first half against Brighton, but then sort of fell off. Arsenal drew 2-2 against Spurs in the North London derby. Uh, JP, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, there's four teams in there that are yet to record a win. Bournemouth being one of them, 
and I, I'm pretty sure I said last week they're going to be right down there this season. I think they were last mm-hmm. season as well. Um, they will be again this year. Um, Arsenal's a really, really tough, tough game. Arsenal, are, they're going to be competing at the top end. They've got strength and depth now, so I expect Arsenal to, to do the job here. Um, predictions, probably going to be 2-1 Arsenal for me, okay. I think. I wonder if the whole week we're going to say 2-1 to everything. As a... <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, trying to provoke uh, you guys. So, uh, and, and yeah, no, John, what do you reckon? I, you you provoked me enough. If the Bournemouth <laughs> that played the first half against Brighton turn up, I think they could get a point or, or something more. Um, everything you said, JP, about uh, Arsenal is true. Great side, strength in depth, good manager. They've you know, really turned a corner over the last couple of seasons in particular. Uh, if the Bournemouth from the second half play against Arsenal, uh, it's going to be 3-0. So I'm going to sort of sit on the fence and say 3-1 Arsenal. I think Bournemouth can get a goal, but I think Arsenal are coming up with three points. Yeah, absolutely. From from memory, I think it was maybe a 3-0 Arsenal win against Bournemouth at uh, down south coast, and then it was the remarkable sort of recovery run with Reese Nelson's uh, maybe last-minute belter which yeah. kept their titles alive at that point. Uh, that was the 3-2, wasn't it? That was the 3-2. The 97th minute, yeah. At that point, I thought Arsenal were going to get the league. Yeah. <laughs> that was the moment I thought, this is their season. And then the wheels fell off. But oh, the stabilizer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. But awesome. So, yeah, generally, Arsenal win. Uh, also, at the same time, it will be a almost relegation battle. Everton against Luton. So Decore got on the sheet and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So amazing. He's got back on after doing so many Gillette adverts. And uh, he's got the time to, to score a few. Um, kidding. Everton. Uh, <laughs> Everton fans. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, they're against Luton, who we've just covered. So uh, I believe we're going back to John. What's your prediction for Everton-Luton? I mean, we've spoken about Luton's woes and the, the trouble that they're in probably this season. This should be a comfortable Everton win. Good performance last time out. Um, I think 2-0 Everton. Okay. And JP? Um, I'm going for a 3-1 Everton. Um, again, like John was saying, yeah, Luton, they're just got a few plumbing issues at the back. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm going. Yeah. And I think just touching on the, that double headed, they're actually both relegation battles. So I think Luton have got the Burnley at home, yeah. uh, the game after, and that is going to be huge. absolutely yeah. huge. Enormous already. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Right. Everton to get back on the recovery as they have done last week. Um, then we have Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace. Uh, against Ericsson Hardman United. Back to JP. Uh, how do you reckon a culturally disturbed United will face mm. against Roy's Palace? So it's at Old Trafford. Um, this is actually quite a tough one because everything going on at Man United and Palace do have the tendency to get a result against a big team and they do tend to play quite well against Man United. Um yeah, the likes of Eze and Elise could cause that defence all sorts of problems. Um, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. And John, what do you reckon? Do you think a draw? No, I think that's very bold. I think the win in midweek for United 
against an admittedly weakened Crystal Palace side. Uh, I think that will potentially spur them on. Um, I'm going to say another 3-0 to United. I think they're going to repeat their midweek performance. No backup to that. Just it's got to happen. And <laughs> why not? Why not let it be Palace that get battered? It's a repeat. Yeah. <laughs> it is literally a carbon copy. It's a repeat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's how they'll kick back in gear. Um, all right. So then we're on uh, JP's favourite team, Newcastle United against Burnley. Are you doing I'm this on Thursday, keeping... Jeff? <laughs> I'm in a, in, a, in a funny mood <laughs> to wind you up. No, all good. Uh, yeah, so uh, Newcastle against Burnley. Um, uh, yeah, what do you reckon, JP? Yeah, um, we haven't said too much about Burnley, but I think, like the rest of the teams that have come up, although they tend to play the better football out of Sheffield United Luton, again, at the back, they've got some leaky piping because they can they concede so many goals uh, so I, they're going to struggle for me against Newcastle I think that 8-0 it's hard to see them how they're not going to win their next game after that so I've got a prediction of 3-1 Newcastle you get them some emodium for that leaky piping <laughs> and John yeah again I agree with what JP's saying here I think Newcastle come out convincing winners yeah. I think 4-1 maybe <laughs> So another bonanza with maybe Isaac and uh, and Anthony Gordon perhaps. Yeah. Alrighty, so a couple more United. So West Ham are playing Sheffield uh, in uh, East London. Um, John, how do you reckon West Ham will do? They seem to be on the recovery with Jared Bowen, uh, Stu Fowl, and so and and uh, even Antonio being quite pacey. Yeah, yeah, no, West Ham have had a good start to the season. Um, I see them continuing that against Sheffield United. Obviously, coming off the back of uh, quite a, well, let's put it bluntly, they got absolutely spanked last weekend. Um, I don't see it being quite as bad as what it was against Newcastle, but um, they need to turn it around quickly. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 2-0 West Ham. 2-0 West Ham. And what do you reckon, JP? Yeah, I'm in two minds about this game because although I agree with what John said, I have to. I do think Sheffield United are going to have to come up and they have to put in a in a shift against West Ham, which kind of makes me think: will they get something out of the game? Because uh, they can't. They cannot have another poor result after that that Newcastle battering. So I actually I did have two 0 down as well to West Ham, but. I'm going to go slightly differently and I'm going to go 2 1 Sheffield mm-hmm. United. Very interesting. Miami. So, yeah, finally a recovery after two big defeats. Mentally, uh, for, for Paul Higginbotham. That's how you say it. <laughs> Don't correct me. Um, so, uh, then we're on to Wolves, Man City. So, the Rodgy red card. Uh, and we, we've talked about Wolves a bit. Uh, so what do you, uh, you think, JP, on the result between the reigning champions? Yeah, and a return for... Who's that new... The guy from Wolves that comes to Man City? Is it Matthias Nunes or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Midfield. Yeah. Nunes, yeah. 
so, um, he's looked quite tidy in, in Man City. So maybe it's a chance for Calvin Phillips to actually get some, <laughs> get get some, some game time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard to look past anything other than a, a Man City win um, at the moment. And so I've got a 3-0 prediction down for Man City this weekend. Okay. Um, John? Yeah, I can certainly back that. Um, I'm hoping that Phillips will put in a performance and, and get his career a bit revitalised with Rodri being out. Um, it's a good opportunity, but yeah, can't look past a City win and a comfortable one at that. Okay, amazing. Um, then we move on to Ange uh, Postecoglou and Jurgen Klopp. So Spurs against Liverpool, one of the games of the season. And back to you, John. Well, let's go for a four-all. I think this is going to be... Uh, I think, you know, the start that Salah's had to the season, I think he's quietly gone under the radar. Um more quietly than what he would have done in previous seasons, but he's contributing left, right and centre. And you've got Angie Spurs that's just playing brilliantly, getting results. Obviously, a great point for them against uh, against their rivals in the North London derby last weekend. But yeah, I, I'm hoping it's going to be an exciting goal fest. So, four all. And JP? Yeah, I agree with um, what John John was saying. Both their styles just it just means goals, <laughs> and so and yeah, with Trent at the back and stuff like that, and Tottenham are, are notorious for a couple of goals being conceded. So yeah, I can see it a, a, quite a bit of a goal fest too. So I'll go, I'll go three all. Okay. <laughs> goal bonanza again. Uh, okay, and then uh, Nottingham Forest are playing Brentford, so kind of more the lower part of the league but not necessarily relegation at the moment. Uh, so, JP, what do you think will happen there? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, both very similar in terms of points and sort of wins and, and things like that. So, Forest have two wins, Brentford have one. I did back, or back um, Brentford last week against Everton, and they didn't look too good um, this one's going to be really really tight I think um, I'm going to back Nottingham Forest as a 1-0 I think some of their signings are getting them some of the results and points they need at crucial times um, I think likes of Alanga Adoy um, what's the guy up from Akawambu or whatever his name is um and even sort of Divock, super yep. sub Divock. So um, I'm going to go for 1 0 Forest. Okay. And then back to you, John. I agree with 1 0, but I think Brentford. Um, everything you said about Forest is spot on. And I think it's all gelling nicely for them. Yeah. You know, but something about Brentford, they, they can eke out the result every now and then. As you say, one win so far, but I think this is number two for the season for them. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be a tight game. And then yeah. the final one before the double game week uh, fixture will be Fulham against Chelsea, so a London derby. Uh, JP? Yeah, I actually found a stat about Chelsea that was quite shocking. So this calendar year, they've played, I think, 29 games and they've got 25 points. And I think, I forgot what, I saw the stat in terms of what that was points per game, but that was... In, in most a lot of seasons, they would get relegated for having that point stat, which I just thought was quite shocking. And considering, and for our listeners worldwide on the other side of the world, Chelsea have spent a billion pounds 
on players in the last on year. On Brighton players alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One... They, they, they've spent a billion in the last three transfer windows, I think. Is it the last three transfer yeah. windows, is it? Or is it slightly more? Yeah. 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 So, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And they're on five points out of six. Um, so that's just absolutely ridiculous. Um I'm, I think they're going to continue to struggle. I think Nicholas Jackson, he, I don't know, I don't really know too much about him, but he's not the most clinical yeah. striker I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> kind of reminds me a bit of Timo Werner after some of the highlights I've seen. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go for a one-all draw here. I think Fulham might nick a point. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, Fulham, yeah, it's, it, it seems quite evenly matched at the moment between them two. It's a real derby game as well. This is a very, very close derby oh, game. Really close. Anything can happen in a derby match. Exactly. Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. You know, Jackson's come from Villarreal. Hasn't really gelled necessarily with Chilwell Sterling. Obviously, you know, Chelsea seem to have their injury issues as well and a, and a ban for uh, Gusto and uh, Jackson as well in, in, the, in the Premier League. So... Sadly, sadly, at the time of uh, us recording this, Chelsea are playing Brighton and are two 0 up with two Jackson goals. So uh, that might come back to bite you. <laughs> so we retract what yeah, we just said. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? It's not a second string Brighton team. Is we it? don't have a second <laughs> string team anymore. <laughs> oh, well, we uh, and that's with that's with Matoma, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh no! It looks like it's uh, it's only one. I've been misinformed, but uh, is Matoma in the lineup? Uh, he he started, but he's come off. Um, yeah. What's going on at Chelsea? Yeah. We. I don't think Pochettino's the. I, I, you know, I don't think he's a bad manager by any means, but I don't know who the right person to turn that around is at the moment. And throwing money at it is not the, the solution, as we've seen. So, yeah. Absolutely bizarre. Yeah, it's, yeah maybe we, we spend more time on Chelsea next time. Yeah, put your purse away, Todd. <laughs> Todd. <laughs> yeah, pull the drawstrings together and stop spending and maybe just look at some of the young talent you've already got. I think yeah. there are some, you know, some good young players that you've already signed on eight-year contracts for the accounting policies, you know, tat tat. But um, yeah, it's it's not working. Exactly, and that's even with uh, you know Madrid. Uh, he seems to be yeah trying. To, he, he could have got some assists. It's just the clinical finishes at the moment are eluding them. You know, to to JP's point about the and and to your point, John, about the you know the expected goals that they've 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 attempted to get and they just are not delivering and the points uh, show uh, I mean you're, you're the mathematician John amongst us how much how many points per billion is that or million <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, less than what Bowley would like to be seeing that's all I know <laughs> painful <laughs> alrighty uh, so we've whisked through quite a lot and then we're on to the the uh, the additional fixture, which is on the third, I believe, of October, uh, so this will be Luton against Burnley. Uh, so Luton are playing twice. 
and Burnley are playing twice, so we have, uh, yeah, that's that's actually at Luton's home ground. Uh, again, it's another. It seems to be another relegation push. Um, John, what do you reckon? Could Luton get a result here? I think this is either going to be a bore nil-nil with two teams very cagey and concerned or the aforementioned plumbing problems at the back are going to open the floodgates and we'll see a few goals and one of the teams will eke it out. I cannot call this. Um, and I'm happy to sit on the fence and let JP be the only one making a prediction on this one. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a huge game. Huge game for both teams. Yeah, I um I do have a prediction oh. for this game, um, and it probably is based on the that leaky plumbing problem <laughs> that they both have as well. <laughs> um, no, but I do agree it could either be a nil nil or it could be an absolute goal fest. Um, I think the way Company sets his teams up, I can't see Burnley playing conservative, um, and that's what makes me think there will be goals in this game. And I've gone for a two two draw. All oh, right. Yeah. So expecting a, a leaky defence on both sides, and I guess Morris, Larson, those sorts of players to get eke out goals each side. All right. So that's yeah. That would be a really good one to watch on Tuesday next week. Uh, yeah, Burnley did eke out a fauna win against Gary Neville's Salford City, David Beckham's Salford City. Uh, albeit, yeah, <laughs> EFL, slight difference in quality between Vincent Company's team. Uh, either way, yeah, you you such you struggle to think how would either survive in current form, despite Vincent Company being such a kind of epic, inspirational Premier League winning captain for Man City. Yeah. On on the point of the midweek fixtures as well, Burnley with that four 0 win against Salford's obviously huge. Whereas Luton lost to Exeter, and it makes you wonder, you know, is that going to be their blessing in disguise to focus on the Premier League, or is that actually something that could have helped them just get a bit of momentum? Mm. You never really know, and hindsight will be def- definitely twenty twenty for them in a few months or so. Absolutely, that would be great for my glasses, which the listener can't see, but. Yeah, I could always do with some 2020 vision. All right. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, guys. That's a really good run-up, um, quick fire of the forthcoming Premier League fixtures. And obviously, we'll be kind of going back towards the Champions League. Um, I think just for everyone's sort of reference, we'll be covering also the antics of Harry Kane, how well his German lessons are going. When he couldn't respond to Carragher's Feel uh, Gluck mention on an interview on TNT. Uh, Jaden, uh, Jaden? Uh, Jude Bellingham uh, antics down there at Real Madrid. He seems to be having uh, an incredible run of form. And then also, not necessarily a detailed run through, but a look at the players of interest within Saudi Arabia. So Neymar, Benzema. Mitrovic, Henderson, those sorts of players that have have been kind of really key exports. Ronaldo, yeah, Ronaldo, of course, really key exports to Saudi Arabia and kind of how they're getting on. Um, the quality of the football as well, and whether 
you know, even players like Henderson can maintain their place in the England side in the run-up to the Euros. Um, but yeah, we'll start to do more kind of deep dives and reviews into these themes. Um, and that will hopefully kind of give a nice variety to what we're intending to cover. But John, JP, good to see you both. Thanks for your time. Good to see you as well. Brilliant chat. Really, really enjoyed chat. it. Likewise, thank you both for having me. Right. And yeah, enjoy the Prem. See you both soon. Adios. Au revoir. Au revoir.